0: Welcome back to the Overrun podcast. We are all back in the studio for the first time in a while. My name is Ed Bowder.
1: I'm Dan Schwester.
0: I'm Kevin Mazza.
2: I'm Jess Mastricola.
1: And I'm Mike
3: DiFilippo.
0: Thanks for listening. And today we're going to do our holiday season, Christmas, whatever episode. Um, A couple housekeeping things before we move on with the episode. Uh, Linked in the show notes are going to be two charitable causes that we are supporting here at the Overrun this year. Um, the first is going to be the fund for the Golombeski family. They are uh, EMTs and healthcare providers in the area that we record in. Um, they recently had a tragedy. They're, uh, they've lost their house and many of their possessions. So that will be on. Uh, their GoFundMe will be linked in our show notes. And, Dan, there will be a second GoFundMe as well.
1: Uh, yeah, the second uh, GoFundMe is uh, for another uh, uh, EMS clinician, uh, Megan Franzoso, uh, who suffered a sudden cardiac event and, uh, has been rehabilitating and she's got a long road back, uh, but she's, uh, doing better. And, um, if, uh, anybody out there in the, uh, overrun world can help her and her family out, it'd be, uh, much appreciated.
0: So that'll be down in
1: our, uh, our show notes
0: as well. So as we said, it is the holiday season. We're all kind of in a giving mood. Um, so, Check it out. Give what you can. And for this episode, we're going to move on to our kind of end of the year uh, Christmas wish list. What's going to happen is we're going to we're doing this episode. We're going to have one more episode before the end of the year and then we'll be moving on in 2019. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to put together a holiday wish list for what we would like to see happen in 2019. So, um, Mike, let's start with you. What would you like to see happen uh, in can I can I just say oh. that he has one of the
1: ugliest <laughs> ugly is, sweaters. It's truly horrific. He it's tried <laughs> to get us all to do this obviously. We I shoulda, so I was, I was going to do it with you. I would just I,
3: like to point out I'm surrounded by everybody wearing black or dark like, gray. <laughs> I'm wearing a vibrant green T-Rex Christmas theme sweater. It has a hat. It has a Christmas hat. Which For the record, it's hat. not ugly. Well, ten, right? It's, it's baller as hell. It, was was t- <laughs> it looks like it's an eight-bit rendering. You too. must.
4: You I must rem- adding to its instant classicness.
3: You must remember two things. One, I love dinosaurs. Two. I'm on a med student budget and this was ten dollars off of Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) If it (laughs) makes you feel better, Mike looks like I was gonna
2: wear I have a gray Christmas sweater with like cats on it, kinda like that. And eight of course it has cats on it. But when I I put it on it made me look really butch, so I didn't (laughs) (laughs) like it made me look like a square. So here's
0: the thing. It's like the, really it's, bad. It's like the T-Rex. T- 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 that's, t- that's Kevin's favorite <laughs> to, shape. So to, to be worked. clear, it's it's the T-Rex that comes up when you have that 404 gateway error when you're searching on yeah, Google it, Chrome. I, yeah. Look, yeah. I got to be honest. It's it looks like
1: you snuck it off. One of the guys passed out on the train after a <laughs> Con. I was, uh, co- I was coming home from a concert from MSG. And I'm uh, I'm not going to
3: confirm or deny what happens on the Philly <laughs> Padco when I'm down. Um. <laughs> <school. laughs> <laughs> All right, so for
0: 2019, Mike-, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Mike, what would you like to see happen in EMS for 2019? Uh, I would like people to care about their jobs. <laughs> Not to sound callous or anything, but I, I, I think one of the things that pushed me out of EMS and to go become a physician besides a bunch of other things was I feel money. like... Well, yeah, big money, 400000 in debt later, um, <clears throat> was that I feel like in nursing and in physician uh, jobs, uh, the people that work those careers tend to care about their work a little more. And I, I don't know if that's because they're so invested in it or the culture, but I feel like in EMS, there's a lot of people that just show up just for a paycheck. And while I understand that we all have to feed our families and feed ourselves and put a roof over our heads, I just feel like a lot of what stops our progression as a profession at EMS is just people just don't care at all.
0: So is that something that we perpetuate as a culture? Or are we actually doing enough or are we doing anything to kind of stop that, do you think?
3: I think we're going in the right direction. I think... We're starting now to like push over the trend of ah, just show up, do your job, take people to the hospital, go home, and now getting into making sure like, hey, my partner's staying up on the relevant research that just came out, or did you go to this conference? Did you hear about this new treatment modality? I feel like I'm seeing that more and more and less of I just take people to the hospital for. A bit. I don't
1: know. Are are we seeing that, or are you just seeing isolated pockets surrounded by, you know, the the. the The mentality, because I still see the veneration of people who really don't do anything. I guess it
4: depends on really where you're looking. So I think there's a whole bunch of the old, this is how we've always done it people. So something new happens or like, whatever. Why do I got to know that? I'm just a medic. Like, who cares? Bring a live patient to the hospital. I did my job, get my paycheck, go
0: home, food on the table, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess the first thing then we have to actually define what we mean by care about the job. Right. So if if your only thing if the only thing you're caring about in the job is that you get a paycheck, that, that doesn't. Matter. I think that's I more think where caring, I'm going.
4: I think caring is just really going beyond minimum effort. Right. So yeah. it, is is minimum effort just you know showing up, looking okay, not smelling like hot garbage, and then not killing anybody? What if you smell anybody. like cold
3: garbage? Uh, Tis the season. <laughs> <laughs> but at least if you're from the northeast or northwest, everywhere yeah. else, is. it's kind so of yeah, a You're yeah, always hot cold, garbage. Cold, cold
4: <laughs> garbage is given in New Jersey in the, at this time of year. But That's I think our state bird. it's going it's going beyond <laughs> just like following your protocols, doing what you're supposed to do. I'm not saying you got to go like any kind of extra mile or anything, but I don't know. Pretend you give a damn at right. least I, like
1: I, wash your uniforms, wash your truck. You don't have to See, be a hero, but check don't your be a vehicle. Zero. Make sure you have the See, stuff you're supposed to have. Like give like try.
4: See, I think right. that's bare minimum stuff to me. Checking your truck every shift is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. Checking, restocking, going through expirations, even if it's not the first of the month, that might be a little bit more above and beyond. Like Just making sure your stuff is clean and order, not just that it's there.
2: If you think that crews g- check their truck every shift... I know they don't.
4: Yeah, so... I mean, we were guilty of it sometimes. Absolutely, we trusted okay. our we we made the mistake, and how many times we made the mistake of trusting our day crew so my, when we work nights, coming in being like, "Oh yeah, this is here." There's no 12 lead cables. There's no. But there's on our scope. first
0: chest pain at seven in the morning. But there's there's a difference between, like, getting your truck at the beginning of your shift and getting a job and not checking it until later and not checking the truck. Period.
3: I think Which I was yeah. I think I was going more along the lines of like. um I think there's a serious empathy problem in EMS. People just don't physically care about their patients. Um, And also caring about the the career as a whole. Because, I mean, I certainly, EMS to me, was at first a stepping stone to become a physician. But, you know, I already know my physician career. I want to give back to the EMS community and stay involved. I mean, you know, I'm sure Ed can say the same because both of us are going to be doctors one day. But we're still doing this. We we maintain involvement in EMS. And I, I feel like that's the type of caring I'm talking about. Not just treating it like, oh, th- I'm working at Walmart for $14 an hour somewhere. I don't what know where Walmart I, does I don't that. know where I pulled that number out of. Oh, <laughs> no, I can God. think <laughs> of a few EMTs who would <laughs> gladly take that paycheck. I'm, I'm working at Walmart for $8 an hour overnight until I'm done with my degree and I can get a better job. And I feel like that's the type of mentality people have about EMS. And that's that's what I just don't. I so mean, I get it, it, but I don't like it. Why? That's, that's,
0: that's interesting, though. That that empathy gap, I think, is something that we don't teach very well in EMS. Um it's something that, that you know, we run into, and I I know you run into it in, in nursing education too, Jess, but it's not, like, how to actually care about people as humans is not something that we run into in EMS education, whether you're at
3: the EMT level or the medic level almost at all. No. And you're literally tested on it then in nursing and medical school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think actually, you know, that is changing. Look at Anna Brown, Anna Ryan's, you know, New Jersey Whatever EMT her name program. Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, look at her program. There's a huge emphasis on taking care of self and seeing right. the patient as a full person. Like, you know. And I just feel like that's something there's not a strong emphasis on in EMS. That was issue number one. And issue number two is just caring about EMS as a career. I mean, if you talk to police officers, cops, most cops, don't just clock in and say, oh, I'm just here for a paycheck. Like, they care about their community. They care about law enforcement. They're quote-unquote brothers and sisters with them in law enforcement. And that's, you know, that's the change I would like to right. see. And a EMS. lot of them
0: you know grew up in the town that they're working in. Right.
4: I think so. I think maybe our empathy problem may not necessarily be completely isolated to just New Jersey where we are. But of so a not. lot it's, of it's, it's systemic. Of thing, you're right. A lot of EMS departments though, are attached to fire departments where these guys work in communities where they grew up. I think they're a little more invested. But our difference here is that we have some clinical practice things in New Jersey that we like to think advance us where. Like, they're still backboarding in places in cities and fire departments all over the place, even though we know it's detrimental to patients. But they're invested in—maybe they're not invested in the career, but they're certainly invested in their firehouse or their police right. department for police CMS because they feel included. And we, as a hospital-based in New Jersey— we don't really feel. I don't know about a lot of us, but like I don't feel like personally loyal to the hospital I serve,
3: or even the community. I mean, and I worked as. I mean, we both worked as. All of us actually worked in, as medics in the community we grew up in, but mm. in Jersey, at least, we're always a third party system. We're we're, we're right. never directly attached to the town, and I mean so that may have a little we bit to do with it too. We serve several towns, right? correct? Yeah. So is
0: that is the do we think that the the serving many masters thing is contributing to, I guess the somewhat like ap- apathy level. I think at it the job. I think it does. I think so.
4: I think it, I think because it's hard to, you know, if you're constantly moving around, where do you call home, you know? Right. There's so many different things. You don't ever really feel like your roots are set and then as Mike said as a paramedic like it's a stepping stone because once you're a medic like there isn't really anywhere to go upward. You don't become a critical care paramedic or advanced practice paramedic, like you do in other other countries. Well, that's that's, that's, it. that's also
0: a very regionalized thing. Because there, there are places. That that's we true have too. Can, yeah. Like yeah, there are, are
1: places that have that. We just don't. Yeah.
0: it's well, just never like been something we we've,
1: we've ever considered. Like
0: there's there's states like you know Minnesota has a really good critical care paramedic program and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's places where you can do that, and they've got a really good community birthplace
1: of out a community paramedicine.
4: Yeah. I guess uh, maybe a lack of knowledge, but do they pay well enough to make a living doing that?
0: Sure, like, but again, and the the pay scale thing, that's. That's also very project specific. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if there's places that have, you know, municipal pay rates and there's and like that and that's typically you end up working for a fire agency doing that. Right. Um, but I, I do think that if you change your pay scale and if you change, you know, the the reason that people stay, that probably is
3: something that's gonna help people, I guess, care better about their job. I I, I, th- I think we're on the cusp of that changing though. I, I really do. I, I don't want to sound like completely glum because it is the holidays, um, but um, you know, I, I do want people <laughs> who's a gloomy
1: guss? <laughs> a big
3: green Grinch
4: over but, here,
0: yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's it, tough to be sad in that sweater. Is it
3: to be, I'm smiling through the pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think we are on the cusp of change. It's just something I would like to see change faster. People put more of an emphasis on is, is the caring and, I didn't know we would do such a huge disambiguation of what does care mean, disambiguation. Well, <laughs> I,
4: th- well I think <laughs> like what you said, like in medical school and a nursing school, you're kind of taught how to at least treat somebody in an empathetic manner. But we're in paramedic training, it's like, oh, see this, do this, like, oh, that's AFib, better give them or Although
3: ahead. you're also graded
1: on it. Yeah, right. You, mm-hmm. You've got to actually jump through the hoops and even the people who aren't empathetic have to quote-unquote pretend. Fake it. As fake sociopaths.
3: And, fake it till you make it. That's a common phrase in med schools all right. over. you got to learn how to fake it at least but i think know, just by faking it enough you actually develop it oh sure and also as a doctor you know part of your compensation now with the changes mm-hmm. with since uh, the affordable care act comes from how scores. people yeah well, interpret a, your care that's on
0: the jco scale now too if you actually thanks so thanks, thanks obama, obama. <laughs> oh bummer <laughs> uh, all right so that's that's one of those things that, that's you know we're we're making progress on it but it's not we're certainly not going to solve this problem today so dan what would you like to
1: see for 2019 I would really like to see in 2019 some kind of coherent national standard for education that everybody sticks to and everybody agrees on. And that, I think, would be the start, and it would dovetail off of Mike's thing, you know, that I would really like to see people be able to go to paramedic school in a college in Maryland or Pennsylvania and get a license to practice somewhere without you know, the the kind of the the ticky-tack things that each state does. Well, we do this, you don't do this, we're allowed this, we're not this. I I think sometimes, I I think we're, I, I wonder if the, you've seen one EMS system, you've seen one EMS system, I wonder if that's hurting us. So the first thing that I think people are
0: going to respond to with that is, that's what National Registry is. No, it's not.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) i think that's what national (laughs) registry wants to be but is not right now
1: that's i think that's what it thinks it is so but they have no legislative backup they have no they have no teeth really well the problem
4: well because it all falls down like you said to the state the state is the one who hands out my license that's where a lot of license for some states you have national registry that's good enough for them you take a you take a simple written test you complete whatever little thing you have to do so i've known a fire medic who came to new jersey from i believe maryland he had to ride clinical hours yeah. to get up to speed. He had to go do e i am. Um, he had to go perform intubations because I don't believe they had a requirement for him to become a paramedic there. No. So and this is but and th- this is I think one of the things that Dan's talk about. Like but if you a, go like,
1: to medical school in Minnesota, you can do your residency in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. If you go to medical school in Pennsylvania, you can do a residency in California, and everybody just goes oh. You know, you graduated. Obviously, you you know what you're doing. Well, Obviously, you're. Li- you just how does it go in practice?
4: How does that work in nursing?
2: Um, it's it's pretty standard across the nation because you have to take the NCLEX to be licensed. Mm. It's just that there's certain requirements depending on the state. Like for, I believe it's for New York, you have to have a couple of other things in addition to your NCLEX. So I think you need like certain certifications. Like there's mm. a handle with care one that you have to have. So if Ooh. I wanted to get reciprocity. I would have to complete whatever certification. What's
3: involved with Handle with Care? Hold this China well very safely and Well, I have to do that here, too. <laughs> I have to
2: do that here, too, in Jersey. Handle with Care is... Um Pretty much the standard for taking care of people who are disabled oh, and okay. elderly, something like that. So, Handle with care. So is basically,
1: every patient you see. Right. Now I feel bad about right. making a joke about that. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it's
0: fine. <laughs> so, but essentially, what it comes down to then is a a transferable license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- Yeah, but there's so just requirements. A, a it transferable license so long as you without like the
1: drama. Right. Of it. Right. Well, well, but that's like that's what I'm saying. So right now,
0: if you have a license to practice medicine, whether it's in nursing or as as a oh. medical physician or a PA, if you have that license, you. have transferability so you can move mm-hmm. from yeah. state to state without too much of a hindrance so the real problem what it comes down to and we've talked about this before where it comes down to certification versus licensure right so no, if you're like if you're go- someone in a position in a state that doesn't actually offer licensure then that's you know and it, but again it would come down to right. a But even level. if
1: you're licensed if you're in texas they have a position they have a licensed paramedic right uh level but that doesn't mean jack if you're coming if you want to move to Florida,
0: well, no, but that's but that's what you're saying is there would have to be a almost like a, a 50 state in the United States 50 state standard man. that your license is transferable. Because yeah. that that's the case. In, and and, in and at and in the college
1: at the college level, that everybody who is a paramedic who is called a paramedic in in the United States, just like they do in Canada, just like they do in England, in the UK, in Australia. Has gone to a specifically prescribed set of program. Right. They've they've achieved certain amount of things. They've been signed off on clinical competency for their scope of practice, and they're licensed. And then they can go and practice where they want to well, practice.
4: Let me ask you this, Dan. So what's the thing that seems to be the same thing across nursing, um, medical school, PA school? What's the, what's the one thing they all have in common that we don't have? Degrees. Boom. Stud- student debt. They don't... Well, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> most importantly, they all have degrees. A nationally accredited, from a recognized school, they have a degree.
3: Right. So I know this is something I'm very passionate about is degrees in EMS. And I do get into quite a few arguments on Reddit or Twitter or in person with people about That's this. That's where you're really going to change
0: minds. Yeah. yeah
3: absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Um, Reddit. So... <laughs> You know, a lot of people (laughs) like to say you don't need a degree to be a a good EMT or a good paramedic. And I would agree with that. You don't. And I actually don't think you need a degree to be a good doctor or a good architect or anything. There's a lot to be said about on-the-job training and people skills and all this other type of stuff. But I think the thing is you want a minimum uniform standard nationally that no matter who shows up to your door as a patient, let's say in this example, you know at least that they've experienced, studied, read, and have been tested on X, Y, and Z. Right. And in the United States, you don't have that because some states do certain emphasis on X and some on Z. Other states don't even touch Y. So going back to the thing where you just said where
4: you don't need a degree to be a good medic or a doctor, I think that's more of an exception to the rule because if you have a standardized education, you'll have more good paramedics. You'll have more good doctors. You won't have a couple... Oh, this guy just natural, and he just learns like so easily. And then he didn't need a degree to become a doctor. I think if you a broad, um, like standard education, you'll have more better competent paramedics, where you won't have to go from you know Minnesota to New York State and have to you know jump through flaming hoops to practice there, because you'll have the same education across the the board. The benefit
1: of this too is like you see in nursing. You look in the back of the nursing magazines. There's places all over that advertise. When you know they're looking for people and and if it's a bad place to practice you know you know I, I hate to say I hate to invoke capitalism but the invisible hand of the market works if it's a crappy place to work right do people yeah. bounce if you, you well, don't see you that know, in
3: medi- I mean you see that with doctors all the time absolutely. I mean there's literally like yeah. oh a four hundred thousand dollar sign on bonus like what'd you say excuse me I'm right. having that chest should, pain right now that should
0: be your first red flag. If mm-hmm. if, well,
1: you're, yeah. if they're
3: throwing money at people to come work, but you don't have, have that. Agree,
1: any... agreed, but we don't even have that opportunity.
3: Correct. Right. Yeah, you don't have that in EMS. There's no. I mean, there are some sign-on bonuses. Even somewhere, just but... even just
1: going from New York, even going from New York to New Jersey to Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. There's three standards, and it's really hard to get people. Well, what, what
0: I will say is, one I,
1: side of the river, other side of the river. When it I, is when
0: I cross the river over into Pennsylvania. my, my reciprocity with registry was actually remarkably easy. So either like, that's another problem where like the state to state issues. Yeah, but then the other p- way
2: around necessarily isn't.
0: No, I, I it's not. Yeah, coming. I'm agreeing yeah, that we need to have that's right. Like right. true a, too an for physician standard.
3: licenses and nursing like
1: yeah, and I and, I and I think we yeah. need to get these state agencies out of it. Like mm-hmm. it should be an academic standard. Sure. Like, if you're a paramedic, you have a degree, and you have a license, they should just be a licensing agency. Did you go to the accredited institution? Did you pass the course of study to be a paramedic? That's it. End of discussion. That's what they do for doctors. That's what they do for nurses. And pay the money, and just don't bother me unless there's an issue. Well, and I also think that there tends to be
0: intangibles that go along with going to a degree program, where one of the best things that you know college will do is it doesn't just teach you things it teaches you how to think which in our practice is something that is... Oh, the liberals got to you. I know. Indoctrination places. And how
3: to spell and make a coherent sentence all and those write a chart. I know.
0: All those philosophy classes are just coming right back. <laughs> but no, it's one of those things where if, if working as a medic and as an EMT, really, you have to kind of think outside the box. And taking classes on how to think, on how to you know see things in the world, it will help you as a provider. So that's one of the reasons I agree with it, with a degree program where you have to you know, like you have to take, you know, whatever, say like philosophy 101, because you have to think about what's going to happen outside of the box. You know, I think that's an important thing that's, you know, why do
1: why do we make doctors and PAs and and advanced practice nurses take organic chemistry? Because that's, that's a very good question. Answer that question for us, let's former be, lab partner Mike. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, 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 okay. No, so, evolve, so evolve. fight me on this. It really is just to show that you have the mental gymnastics and the discipline to sit your nose in front of a book. So I disagree. And I, dis- I disagree because <laughs>
0: it, when we're talking, when you're actually going into medicine in general, one of the reasons that you need organic chemistry is to understand how like functional groups work. And how how drug interactions? So I, I call bullshit. Orgo,
1: Every doctor I ever asked to, to help me with an orgo class goes. I don't know, dude. I gotta see. I. F- so <laughs> orgo, orgo.
3: I will say, organic chemistry does. It, it's a weed out class. Number one, I Absolutely. think mostly for people. Absolutely. Um, Can I but, just say
1: how much I hated it? I yeah okay. Yeah, uh,
3: I yeah. thought it was okay. It was um, I, ha- I have a bias. <laughs> I know I do. But of of a of a hard science, it does make you think outside of the box for a hard science because there's multiple ways to approach an organic chemistry problem and they're very difficult to do ed or dan or jess correct me if i'm wrong
2: i never took it (laughs) (laughs) they got rid of that requirement right before i joined
3: so but you know besides being a weed out class i think you know the core issue of it still at the end of the day is that it just does think teach you how to think outside of a standardized you can't just memorize a series of steps way
0: it also teaches you how to draw a hexagon that is very true. So that's that's very exciting. A really good right. hexagon. A really good hexagon. Yeah. And it's kind of it's, it's
3: kinda like the Sith that teaches you how to channel your hate <laughs> into, <laughs> into something useful.
0: Uh, so yeah, so that's that's a big thing that we're gonna actually have to find an But Yeah, student. I mean There's if we're nothing... gonna
1: advance this profession, that's we've we've gotta just get away from this idea of like you can be a shake and bake four hundred hour paramedic and, right. and, and you know, we get into hours and we worry about things like alphabet soup classes, like well, I know what I'm doing. I took ACLS, and I just go, oh, did you? Did you? But even then, like, like you know, it's... Come on, it just there's, hurts. There's projects You don't know that, how
3: to access a website, but you took ACLS. Right.
1: But, like, there's... You have places, like, there's... Oh, boy. There's...
0: <laughs> but, like, there's there's projects that have done away with ACLS and PALS, where you don't need that because it doesn't necessarily teach you how to properly care for people, but the, it's a topic for another episode. We actually have... We should get into that, of whether or not those those practices are outdated or we need to do that more uh, but we've talked about ACLs and pals before.
4: We, so we yeah, talked we about that back before back we could bring that up. That's always oh, a good yes. dead yeah. horse to dig bring up. You <laughs> fresh <laughs> bring fresh it back. corpse to beat. <sighs>
0: Kevin, yeah. what's your 2019
4: goal? Uh, I'm going to be a materialistic little person here and I want POCUS and I wanted for those of you who don't know if you, it's point of care ultrasound. Um yes. <laughs> it's, it's what it's what I want and especially doing what I do it would be an invaluable tool. Oh, come on,
1: dude. Why you got to do that? We're right around the corner for the hospital. We're, yeah, you know, okay. Come on, man.
0: So what would what would the value of point of care ultrasound bring to well, the prehospital well department? even if it's a very bare minimum
4: you can you can do a fast assessment to determine if there's any um, abdominal bleeding a pericardial tamponade from blood um, and right away, you're going to know that person needs to go right to the OR, not futz around down in CAT scan with the trauma team because they think it's BS, even though the right. dude's got like a grade three liver lack or you see bleeding around his kidney or something. It's all BS. Well, if you're <laughs> on a trauma team,
1: let's be honest, it's all BS. Well, but there's
0: also, there's value with ultrasound with cardiac <laughs> arrest. <laughs> just Absolutely. Yes, just so nodding your head knowingly. <laughs> like so so. You, can see, you can see a patient who is, say, like in a slow PEA. And and you're not cont- really sure if they have any contractility. Right. You can yeah, determine it. How
1: about, the, you can how about, how about cardiac standstill? Like, okay, we're done. There's nothing here. This what is about
3: the biggest thing in the room, sepsis? I mean, ultrasound and sepsis to determine what type of sepsis is it. Are they fluid overloaded? Are they fluid deficient? I mean, the thing they tell us as EMTs and paramedics is just give fluid if they're septic. And that's mostly true. But Mm-mm. if you're if you're seeing a cardiogenic... <laughs> <laughs> If you're seeing a cardiogenic shock patient... the ER nurse. <laughs> if you're seeing well, the standard of care, rather, should be that oh. you get fluids. But, you know, one of the things you want to determine in a septic patient right away is, is to look at the inferior vena cava. If it's compressible, if it collapses, that means they are very, very dehydrated and they need fluid. If it's not and it's engorged, if you give them fluid, they're going to go to flash pulmonary edema. Oh. You're going to have a lot more things on your hands that are a problem. He said engorged. So that's... <laughs> 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 so, I mean... So I, l- I love you, Kevin. I mean, you already knew that, but I also love your suggestion of Pocus for twenty nineteen. Oh so yeah, I
4: mean, but I- that there's so much more applications. Don't to forget it than
2: that. That. IVs. Yeah, this
4: even oh, yeah, this something that. as simple as just helping you start an IV. Oh yeah, um, ultrasound-guided
1: ga- u- ultrasound-guided w- IVs. Yeah. Well, we
4: might be able to even do like some nice peripheral uh, insertion of large bore IVs for during cardiac arrest if we have Pocus. If you want to do like an easier time starting that uh, that EJ. Um, with more effective, quicker routes to the heart. But, I mean, POGIS all by itself. You can confirm your tube placement. You can determine mm-hmm. if there's fluid in the lungs. We don't need chest X-rays anymore. We don't need a portable X-ray regime. We need portable ultrasound. So, yeah, the, Is it
1: CHF the, or COPD? Let's look. Yeah, so instead of
4: doing the old kitchen
0: sink treatment where you give them Lasix, Nitro, and a breathing treatment... <laughs> just,
4: <laughs> just and just see sp- what happens.
1: That works. Yeah. So the
0: first pushback that is going to come back, and it comes back when we, you know, whenever we introduce new technology, is how much... When you have to look at the cost, I'm glad you asked, it. and how much education has to go into actually training people for point of care ultrasound.
4: So right now there is a uh, product that just dropped on the market called the Butterfly IQ. Starts at under two thousand a pop. This is a portable ultrasound device that hooks right up to
0: your smartphone, and gives. It doesn't you matter if it's an iPhone or an Android. No, I don't believe it
4: does. I, I put
1: a budget. So, so it works
0: on both good smartphones and. Poor smartphones, is what
4: right? I'm saying, it so right, like it works on ones. Androids and iPhones. iPhones are better. That's all. I'm no, saying. they're I'm not. <laughs> Listen, if you like, if you like being absolutely better, if you like being stop. handcuffed to an operating system, by all oh, means, iPhones are for dumb. you. Dumb. Look at I look. know because you're a thoughtless pleb. You still like enjoy it. your iPhone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm still using a Motorola Razor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I still have my uh,
3: my Nokia. <laughs> I put in a budget request for two of them.
1: So I'm a little biased on this. So
3: the only thing actually, not to be. But do it, prior to medical school, I was very, very for EMS having ultrasound. And I do think it serves a role. But from what I've learned so far, there is so much to learn about ultrasound to the point that, that it's, a, it's a fellowship after an emergency medicine residency. It's a fellowship i sure. oh, ICU people. Oh, here no, we I, go. I think, I, don't I, think, <laughs> I think there are certain specific applications that can be used for very well in EMS. But I don't think it it, it could be used effectively across as many things as we want just because the breadth of knowledge needed to use it
0: well but i don't think that i don't think we're suggesting that it be used to its full capacity in the pre-hospital environment No, I let's start more, let's start
3: with fast
4: no, assessments. start
1: start yeah. with really simple stuff fast and then, assessments into because it's going to be like everything else if you give somebody the tool you're always going to have that bell curve you're going to have the people who are going to use it specifically for what it's for right. you're always going to have people to the left of the bell curve who don't use it as well as they probably should and those are the people that we keep training but there are people on the right side of the bell curve And those are the people that are going to push the limits and go a little bit further and find things and seek out knowledge and train and practice. And, you know, those are good things. I don't I don't want to discourage people for that. Like I said, I, I put in. I put in a budget for a request. I want two of these things. I want and to start and using and
4: them. And in the same way, like we give a lot of cardiac medications, but we're not cardiologists, and there's a whole right. lot of knowledge. It's just electrophysiology alone. We read, we read alone. 12
1: leads, but we don't know. patch right, right.
4: Going right into like electrocardiophysiology, which is something I would have wanted to do if I were a doctor. So it's also
1: heard. playing so this devil's is
0: advocate. advocate. So it, yeah, but so <laughs> but this, this is point of care ultrasound, I think is going to be the next. It's the next new thing. So whenever there's a next new thing, there's always, you know, resistance to it mm. until it rolls out and then everyone loves it. And then there's a next new thing. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. Right. It was the same like this. This thing. The same thing happened when like end title capnography rolled out and it became the gold standard in Kardashian. Yeah, uh, I don't well, I'm sure everyone oh. said we didn't need it. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need this. Well, I, I you know, know my it's tubes it's the same. It's the same. I'm argument sure for 12 leads.
1: leads. Yeah. 12 leads. Yep. Oh, I, so I was. I a mean, stu- you probably listen. I was a student when 12 leads came out. What was it
0: like? Was it hard running to the jobs, <sighs> dude? They used naming? to
3: respond to jobs with horse and carriage back in <laughs> that day. That was, that was even before you the Cadillacs. Came. I was about to say you the Cadillacs,
1: bastards! I am. Mm. The
0: twelve leads were actually hooked up to the power lines oh, on the God. street. But no,
1: the old timers hated them. They they would right. they would refuse to do it. But that's kind of my point:
0: is that whenever something new comes out, there's always some resistance to it, and it's it's always like, well, we're gonna have to learn too much. There's too much too many things we have to do for it. Whether it was twelve leads, but it was like, remember when like TXA and tourniquets rolled back out for trauma? Oh, like it was, just, it was the same thing. Where it's like, well, this is a new thing. So there's al- I think there's always going to be variables when people will say like, oh well, I don't there's want always it. a little pushback, right, and then right. everybody embraces
1: In it. In medicine, and like, there's Look always going to be the new thing. Here sure. we go: backboards like, and trauma. Right. Yeah. Remember exactly. when we started taking backboards away, people were like out, out of their yeah. minds yeah, exactly. Exactly. at all levels. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I remember bringing people not on backboards to trauma centers and this, the the docs were losing their shit. But again, it's the, but again, to the flip side. And when, now it's like, when why is away, he on a board? It's
0: like, well, but again, when they when they got away from short boards and moved into long boards, people said that long boards weren't going to work. They right. don't. But it was a new thing, and that kind of scared people. So isn't it weird how medicine, like a science, changes? Isn't Ooh, so, that, yeah, so what a crazy? Concept, right?
1: Evidence-based medicine. What? How dare you? You know, we once used to think it was evil spirits but that but made people sick. I think, <laughs> I
2: think we touched on this lightly in a previous episode, didn't we? Where we said, "I don't understand why people join the medical field and then expect it to never change." Well, sure, and that's
1: like, so th- this is gonna yeah, th- 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 that's. That's a frequent comment. Yeah. You know? So like
2: this is
0: something that, uh, that kind of ties into your 2019 thing, yeah. Jess. So yeah. what, what do you want for
2: 2019? Um, My 2019 wish also kind of ties into Michael's. It's more of I would like to see people actually do their job in the sense where sometimes the coworkers you're working with, you know, aren't good at a certain skill. Maybe they're having a bad day and they need you to carry that day a little bit that day. Yeah. Like, I think just teamwork in general is a little lackluster in the medical field in general.
4: I think and I see what you're saying. So, like, Mike wants know, people invested in the career. You want people invested in, in the team. And in each other. In, yeah, the, in yeah. the moment.
2: And their coworkers <laughs> and the environment they work in. Because when you have a good environment to work in, it tends to overflow into your patients. And your patients are happier because you're happier. Mm-hmm. So, as so, as a
0: as a culture, how do we move toward that? How do we start taking positive steps toward that?
2: Well, I think... You start taking positive steps by making the bad behavior, you know, not necessarily punishable, but the bad behavior Have is... some accountability for account- it. Yeah, you're right. accountable for having bad behavior, and then when your behavior is good and above and beyond, you are recognized for the good behavior. So,
4: you want it's actual... It's like having children. It <laughs> you want actual just culture. Right. And and you then want
2: in, instead of saying, oh, our, our culture is just, and then nothing happens, I think it needs to actually happen consistently like you can't just have it a couple of weeks you know every couple of years when jaco comes around or when the state comes to inspect your project like you have to be consistent
0: so my question then is do you think that's something that starts more like at a grassroots movement where it starts with the staff or is that something that starts with leadership
2: i, I think it's kind of a continuum but um i would say as far as leadership goes you you need a healthy balance and leadership you can't have like you know a really strict dictator type manager and then on the other end of that have someone who's really lack a wet lack noodle of days of yeah, a yeah wet noodle you know i i think i've been part of projects and i've been part of just jobs in general that had the one really strict one and the one not so strict one and then i've also had you know bosses who were right in the middle where they don't let you get away with the really really terrible things but they're a little more lax on things that aren't as big a deal um, so I think it starts there I think just employee happiness as far as management is a thing but I also think that sometimes you know a new employee will come in and they're not necessarily the nicest person or there's an older employee who's just getting bitter and they're they're you know they're like just burnt out they shouldn't be at the job anymore and then that doesn't get addressed and the management since they've been there for so long just lets them do that and then other people say, well, they can say and do whatever they want, so I guess I can too, and I'm having a bad day. And, yeah. and then it just kind of ke- snowballs it, it, down from there. It's a
1: combination of formal leadership and informal leadership. Mm-hmm. Your your command structure, your rank structure, your, your management structure has to say, okay, this is what we believe in, this is what we do here, this is why we do it. But if you don't have the informal leaders, the the senior medics, the senior nurses that that back that up, uh, you're going to have a hard time yeah. because they're going to they can undermine you. They can. Uh, yeah. Yeah, don't listen to them. Nobody nobody pays attention to that crap. This is how we do it. You know, this is how we do it for real, you know, on mm. the street. You know? I say, mm-hmm.
0: how do you, How do you account for apathy and burnout in this sort of u- utopian 2019 that we're looking for?
2: Like how, as in how do you help remedy it or how do you?
0: Yeah, so if you have, what, how do you help remedy apathy mm. and how do you stop help working people burnout? so damn
1: yeah, hard? I think that's one of the things. I mean, yeah. you, you can't you you can't expect people to do fifteen twenty patients a day, four or five days a week, and not be in a situation where they're just fed up with being Mm -hmm. there they need time away from ha from the the job they need time with their family they need time to rest and take a nap and you know we don't have that and and it's because we look at it as it's staffing or it's budgetary or it's this we're you know this is where we're it's getting into a bad situation Mm -hmm. you know we're we're just You know, and that's where it starts. And then it just festers. It blows my
4: mind that budget is an excuse for anything. Healthcare makes up roughly one fifth to one sixth of the U.S. economy. What do you mean there isn't enough money to pay your nurses?
2: So I, th- I think it also ties into the fact... It's that
1: not even pay... Nur- sorry. It's well, not even it's enough okay. to pay nurses. It's having enough nurses to cover right. the room. That's what I mean. like Having enough nurses to... Having enough medic units on yeah. the street to so to cover that a somebody's a not doing... So well, that so you then can then, have a decent lunch, so that you can right. sit and catch up on your charts. But not so only,
2: only a decent lunch, but remember in our previous podcast we spoke about... Being able to take a couple minutes after a really bad call and saying, like, that doesn't happen because of staffing. It doesn't happen because even if there is good staffing, it just doesn't happen. So those are things that we need to improve on, right? Like yeah, I, absolutely. Self-care has to be part of the job. I don't it's think there's
3: a structural way to remedy it yet. No, I think that's just gonna to come start, from it has to you to start. It literally me. has to
4: start at the top, though. This has to be a mindset that the people mm-hmm. who aren't doing the down and dirty work, this has gotta start beyond your clinical coordinators. It's gotta go beyond your unit managers. It's gotta start from the top and trickle down.
3: Well, right, but also I think it can come down to the road staff and you personally and, and your partners. Like You know, you if, if personal if accountability, absolutely. If medic one just had a bad job, then that you know about, and then all of a sudden you hear dispatch send them on another job, you as medic, too, can say, we're going to take it. I don't care if we're two minutes farther away or whatever.
0: So uh, at an operational level, one of the concerns that we have to have is we know that we're going to be facing a nursing shortage and a physician shortage in the United States at least Mm -hmm. for the next 20 years. Oh, yeah. So if we're looking to prevent all these things, knowing that we have these shortages, how do we help, I guess, retain staff to keep keep levels where we need to be, and how do we start recruiting more people? financial incentive
2: yeah financial incentive that's the quick and
0: easy hygienic thing you 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 gotta make them happy
2: yeah you have to make them happy first of all make it easy for them to do their continuing education don't just say oh this is due by january 30th by the way good luck here's a link like why don't you hold like you know every month a certain day of the month you hold whatever continuing education you have and like each people like a month get certain days blocked off for that day is for them to come in and do that class. And they are not obligated to work an extra day that week.
3: I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head though. I think the easiest way to, yeah. r- to incentivize people to do certain things for us going forward. I mean, really all of us here and people listening to the podcast, we're the leaders of tomorrow, not to sound pedantic, but you know, just think of all the stuff you feel doesn't work for you now. Sometimes it's easier to say, I know what I won't do than what I will do. Mm -hmm. So all the stuff you hate now, just make sure I'm not replicating that in the future for my future employees or coworkers. Yeah, that's a good
1: point.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, for the educational incentive, you know, offering someone an extra day off or extra time off is something that's sort of cost neutral for most projects. Right, you can say like, all right, so you take this education day and we'll float you whatever, eight hours of PTO. It doesn't cost you as an organization anything to offer someone more money or, or more time off. If they take it, yeah, it's a little bit different, but you can always offer that as an incentive and then people can either not take it or buy it back later or it expires right. at the end of the year. So there's always all, like different options that organizations have to help people further their education. See, my
4: personal opinion is that financial fixes is only temporary. You're going to make people happy by giving them more money, but if they're unhappy just show up to work because they don't like the job, they're going to be unhappy showing up to work. Well,
1: those well, are the people that, they want. those are the people that you either have to figure out what's the root cause of why they don't like the job, and either fix the the valid complaints they have, or if they really just don't like doing what they're doing, you got to move them on.
0: And I, I don't. And dis- I don't think that's wrong. I don't disagree that it's a short term fix, but given that we have sort of long term problems with retention, it's more what can I do today to start changing that. And then, oh, right. like, long-term. Pay them you now,
4: but you got to – it's a, It's going to have to be a, a cultural change in, of EMS as a whole in order sure. to
0: make people want to – like, going like back
4: the, to Mike's thing, make people care about their right. job, not right. because well, it's just a the paycheck. The reality
0: exists that the long-term fix is – it's institutional, it's governmental, it's, you know, it's going to require a whole lot more changes than just – like, if you have – all right, today, whatever, let's say it's a Sunday, you know, on Monday I'm five people short. How do I avoid being five people short next Monday? Right, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the way they have to do it. Like it's it sucks to throw money at a problem, but that's well, that's kind of the quickest fix. Feed
4: them today and teach them how to cook tomorrow. Right. <laughs> if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, there, no I'm not a Christian. If you give a <laughs> mouse a cookie, <laughs>
0: I'm,
4: not, I'm not
1: a fish guy. I'm I'm not, a, I love fish, I'm not a, but not a,
0: not a not a pesky. No, no, you nah. love
1: fish, but well, not we won't listen. We're that's, not just appealing to our I got a problem with that. What you don't like shrimp or?
4: No, I just sent uh, him. Can we not? He calls nightmare. I was at was
3: at a Peruvian restaurant <laughs> oh, no. Friday or Saturday. <laughs> no, and I saw that. That looks good. I sent Kevin such a nice picture of this nasty looking crustacean. <laughs> that didn't and look I, bad. though. I, I could feel his nausea it thousands of miles horrible. away. Horrible. They're listen. They're delicious.
0: Crab is extraordinary. Shrimp is great. Lobster is wonderful. If you enjoy sea spiders and ocean cockroaches, sure. I do, I <laughs> do. They're <laughs> very good. Throw some <laughs> melted butter on it. Shrimp butter butter, literally it's, it's the best ocean cockroach no like, like, how, how are but you, have you tried so wrong deep. about this one thing? Have I don't you, know, Eagles fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I can't hear you over the bling of the World, Se- of the World Series. Of the Super Bowl championship. Of <laughs>
4: the World Series. It <laughs> <Close laughs> <enough. laughs> <Sports laughs> happens so infrequently you don't even know what it's yeah. called. Yeah. Are you
1: Ed, going? you're an Eagles <laughs> fan. It's Christmas. Throw a battery at him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> something, well, so something happened It's like, 1963. We can't forget about it. All right, so my thing... <laughs> well, ice, was, throwing ice at Santa. Yeah. Well, listen, there was actually, a, like, an ESPN special on that, it turned out to be a whole... About thing, Santa? A whole about, thing. About, so about Santa at the Eagles game. It turned out to be, oh. like, this kid who was just there, because Santa canceled on him, because that's how much Santa cares about the city of Philadelphia. Oh. So As much as anybody else should. I know, right? <coughs> so what I want for 2019, aside from that the Eagles to beat their... <laughs> currently 500 record and hopefully move on to the playoffs yawn uh, well uh,
4: no i mean nick Foles is back because carson Wentz got hurt again so it probably i know won't so happen. i
0: i have hope also i'm surrounded by giants fans who can't hear me from all the way in the basement well, so
2: i mean i'm a sports uh,
0: ball uh, fan <laughs> i enjoy sports uh, ball so go, like sports ball. go local team i
2: love sports ball and What's a sports ball person? Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> oh, God.
4: Yeah. Listen, you want to listen. gonna favorite sports person. Shaquille O'Neal is so great and icy hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, if we're going to embarrass me about my thing with crustaceans, Jess thought Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan were the same person. Well, she thought okay. Shaq was a nickname for Michael, for Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yes. I'm not even Whatever. touching this.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> in a different I also thought Bruce discussion. Lee was
2: still alive. Bruce Lee uh, is still gently. alive. Oh, Jet no, no, that's Tupac. No, you're thinking of Jackie Chan. <laughs>
4: Bruce no, I know is, Jackie Chan. Bruce, Bruce Lee's still alive. been dead a long time, Michael. Yeah. Since and then his. W- since when? Before you were born, dude. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: That's what I thought to see him.
3: Did you know that. Early if you, 70s. Did you oh, know that if you fuck. see someone on TV, God.
0: it doesn't mean that they're actually still alive? Wait, what? You can, yeah. One. It's crazy. How did I get into <laughs> med <mental> school? So, what I want for 2019. Boggles the mind. Boggles the mind. Um, my thing is, I would actually like to see a mechanical CPR device that actually improves outcomes. Um, yes, and I would like to see that supported by data. So as is, there's. Um, oh, so you want one like that takes less than
1: forty-five <laughs> seconds to put on? Yeah,
0: I, I I would like. So this is actually, and this is <sighs> called truly, a person, <sighs> right? So and this is the thing, but this is a person's people generally aren't mechanical. Um, androids are. Androids are. Do androids dream of electric sheep?
2: They might. That's a great book, by the way. No one?
0: Blade Runner? Nothing? Okay. That's Uh, a a fantastic (laughs) So (laughs) this is my thing. We've talked about this before, but as is, there's predominantly two mechanical CPR devices on the market, um, both of which kind of take a long time to deploy, and neither of which has actually shown uh, superiority to hands-on CPR as far as survival to discharge. There's some kind of debatable data as to whether or not it improves ROSC. Um, Again, that's kind of up in the air. But what we really care about is survival of the discharge. So what I'd like to see, and I don't know if it's going to require a new device to be developed or if it's going to be a better study, but I, I would actually truly like to see these devices work and improve outcomes. The reason being that despite my kind of current rejection of them, I do think there's a place for them in cardiac arrest. And I do think that they have a potential to change a lot of things, but as is, they're just not. And I'd like to see that because I think having that pair of hands freed up during a code
3: is really important. I agree. I love them, and <laughs> I know Cause cause you're lazy. Yeah, and uh, no, they're great. I know. I know people harp on them because you, you know, like you just quipped that it takes 45 seconds to put them on, but if you have a very, very good trained set of individuals that know how to do it very quickly for the appropriate patient not the 600 pound patient we're trying to squeeze into the Lucas but the appropriate patient then they can get it on very very quickly well isn't that the
4: crux of the matter though is mm-hmm. having a highly trained competent
0: people who can do it
3: in but it's right, 30 right, so
4: seconds but,
0: but the highly trained thing is it's perfectly fine but it there's a lot of like sterility that you're looking for in that environment in the, you know, the perfect setting to get someone onto these machines in a perfect manner what we deal with in EMS is largely imperfect all the time so is the problem the the training and the time it takes to get the device on and if that's the case then we need to have a device that doesn't take 10 Well, because i load.
1: i think part of what the problem is is that the manufacturers are sitting here saying this thing's great it works perfectly it's easy to use Look Everybody can do it. Perfect impressions well, every single and then, time. Because but people they were, that
2: developed it don't work in the field, right? But they <laughs> did. This,
1: but remember, <laughs> they did this with the GlideScope too. Remember when the first generation Glide, you know, video laryngoscopes mm. came out? They were like, "You'll never miss a tube again."
4: Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, and
1: mm-hmm. and people miss tubes ridiculously. Well, but
0: but that's
4: kind of until my point, they figured out. It's, oh, it's,
1: we need to practice with this. We need thing. to be comfortable with it. We need to know our our equipment exactly. Wait, you have just to like, practice just with your equipment. <laughs> it's crazy, talking. Oh uh-huh.
2: my god!
3: Just like Kevin, these things are tools.
4: Ha.
3: Yeah. And <laughs> what? what? <Bazing. laughs> but this is kind of the point where you have you have these <laughs> devices
0: where your your first generation <laughs> device comes out, and then things change over and time. And
2: then there's kinks in the system, and the kinks get worked out. Right. So you're talking yeah. about. The,
0: so if we talk about the, the first generation first generation GlideScope as an example things have then evolved where now we have better glide scopes and we have competitors to them where someone saw like, all right, well the glide scope Mm. does things this way and their effectiveness is X. So what if I change this design a little bit, you know, whether it's, you know, a a tracked um, video laryngoscope or untracked or if it's better training or, you know, cheaper devices, whatever. I, I would like to see the ball start to roll on, Either improving better them. devices mm-hmm. or you know improving training or whatever we have to do or because, more
2: comprehensive studies right
0: because right. i do i do okay. think that long term mm-hmm. this is something that is actually going to change the practice i like as resistant as, as i am to them i think that there is going to be a time that this is just going to be the standard of care but if it's going to be the standard of care it has to
1: work right yeah and that, that's absolutely. kind of my hang up on it right now yeah i mean ventilators work yeah we right. know they work well so, and why again, is it, this why is this not working
0: right and again it might be something where the device actually needs a secondary component
1: mm. right so it's not just Maybe.
0: it's not just the like the mechanical device doing CPR it's also combined with early defibrillation or it's combined with a ventilator where you have extra hands and to get imagine give drugs. if
2: it can defibrillate like itself like the, the pet like that would be nice mm. wouldn't it
0: Right, again, I, so I think the problem with Wouldn't that's that going to be, be cool? keeping the problem with that's going to be keeping contact on the chest.
4: Well, yeah, so obviously. I, well, I think what the I think the real the bridge is going to have to be is where you're not going to interrupt compressions to put the thing on. Right, that's the that's the that's the thing. Yeah, you know, that's and that's the what holy grail of these devices. No, and, absolutely. And that's, and that's that's. I mean, if you just you do know, the
2: cardiac m- massage while you're setting it up, you'll be fine. Oh, <laughs>
4: totally, crack that chest. <laughs> <laughs> my, my
1: my 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 shop is in a place where this is a prevalent piece of equipment. Yeah, and not
2: always well used
1: but exactly and that's mm-hmm. the, and that's the thing because it moves and then they're compressing the epigastrium or, or nursing or home the cpr or the xiphoid <laughs> or it's you know they're they're having trouble putting it on because right. they can't get the back plate on right and then it's you know it, it's you know it, it's a lot of variables
3: but i think that just comes down to like we said training like you know i i've seen the rescue guys at the place i used to work at literally put it on less than 10 seconds but they were pros at doing that and and we as als did not touch it if we knew the 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 mechanical device was coming out that was their thing they did it and they did it very oh, yeah. well yeah, i, I d- agree i agree
1: they should own emt should own it
0: absolutely yeah so do we know of? Uh, so what what is the
3: available data that we have so far um. for in hospital and out of hospital? So I was just trying I to look, look it up oh, uh, in too. here because I was I curious because I know there's a lot of data about out of hospital cardiac arrest, and I was just looking because I was curious what in hospital mechanical device CPR is, and the only study I was able to find I'm sure there's out there is just very cursory, is a 2016 resuscitation article that just says more data is needed. <laughs> um,
1: there, I, mean, okay. that's I mean that's, fair. That, that that's should honestly be, that's on, that should
4: be on every single study ever written no matter how conclusive right. it is
3: but that's honestly what you see even from the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest data for mechanical cpr devices it's just hard to get da- it's hard mm. to get data on cardiac arrest alone
2: well is there a reason we don't have them in the hospital like why don't we use them in for in hospital some hospitals do because really some
1: I some do, do but where you get what are you going to do with them you to take them to the cath oh, lab but, uh, with it, but oh, also, I don't but but keep know. mind, nope. it. Uh, but it's you gonna you're gonna keep them issue. going until you put them on ECMO. I but there's there's no a idea. cost issue as well because right. these
0: devices can cost between ten and fifteen thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. Yes. So if the if the issue comes up, if you have like a line item in your budget for fifteen thousand dollars. Do you buy one device that you just keep in your code room, or can you better disperse that $15,000? I got a buddy with some duct tape and a yeah, piston that can <laughs> make it for $10. <laughs> hey, man, tell you what. <laughs> no, but but what a lot of places do is they'll get a grant. Right. And then you can get that through well a grant that's system, yeah, which is what fine.
2: Yeah, my project did with our are cooling blankets right so but typically but again it also
0: depends on how your er is laid out so mm-hmm. if you have if you have a department where you have a code room <laughs> you can put this mechanical device in the code room. Right. but a lot of times you run into a situation where more than two people more than one person goes into an arrest at the same time right or you ran so out of
2: beds that day and there's like a bellyache in the code room right. or the mm-hmm.
0: staff just chooses not to use it so and well, and and from my perspective this isn't
2: a perfect role we're talking about right again. In my, from my
0: perspective, what, what frustrates me about the mechanical CPR <laughs> data is Why that is it roast Kevin, so Ditty? you're oh looking no. at you're looking uh. at 2016, finding out that more data is needed. We're coming up on three years from that study, and I understand the mm. the value of saying that more data is needed at the end of every study. Like I, I actually prefer that, but it looks like we haven't made that much progress in two years. Now, a part of that might be you know lack of available data. There, there's I mean, I, I yeah. haven't done I actually th- and this is my fault. I haven't actually looked to see if there's anything pending. Um, but there's just not a lot of data out there. So that's actually what I would like to see for, 2016, for 2019. Twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. 2019. That's what I'd like to see for 2019. So stop living in the so, past. Okay. I know, yeah. So that's kind of my thing. That's our 2019 wish list. Um, lots of things that we can hopefully expand upon, um, hopefully something that we can find some progress on in 2019. Um, for everybody listening this year, Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, this has been a blast. We're all having a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah um, For 2018 we're gonna have one more episode next week um, and we have a lot of really exciting stuff coming up on 2019 in 2019 including we're not limited to merchandise so you can actually wear do better on your shirt So that'll be very exciting for face tattoo. People. <laughs> uh, the peeling, the peeling stick. We I haven't actually, haven't I have, I have, I, I have an email into uh, it was a little pump to get something right underneath his eye. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's. A, we'll we'll discuss it off. Lot,
1: of there's it, a lot stuff. of things on the horizon uh, for us, and uh, we, you know, for a bunch of people who just figured, you know, this was something fun to do on the weekends. Uh, this is really turning out to be something special. So uh, yeah, d- definitely thank you because you guys are a big part of this. So uh, have a great holiday. Enjoy your new year you know and for the over on podcast i'm ed bowder
2: i'm, I'm jess mestercoe
1: i'm kevin mazza i'm dan
3: Schwaster. happy festivus happy Mahana kwanzaka <laughs> i'm mike Filippo. <laughs> hmm.
0: one more episode this year and we'll talk to you guys in 2019 <laughs> right, get home safe <laughs>